Hey, this is Kristen. Welcome to the second episode of the shorts. It's this specifically the shorts for week 21, which is the last part of May. Now, these are raw, bite-sized, with ambient sounds. You'll hear birds and cars and me breathing loudly and all kinds of things. Um, all of them short, all of them good for you to consider for your happiness, um, to, to also help with your sadness, maybe. And um, it's really about things that people ask me, questions, things that go through my mind. And yeah, without further ado, enjoy. The audio you're about to hear was recorded in Anchor. Learn more at anchor.fm. Hey, this is Kristen from the Positive Psychology Podcast. And today I wanted to talk about emotions. And a lot of the time people think about, you know, good emotions versus bad emotions and that makes us that we prioritize what we think are good emotions in ourselves and others and we kind of try to suppress or run away from emotions which we think are negative such as you know anger for example now the thing is that obviously these emotions whether they're positive or negative have different impacts on us and that's both on a psychological level but also on a physical level which can be measured now the thing is that often when people in their effort to try to get away from bad emotions we end up making you know making ourselves even more miserable and the reason is that we often think that um, we are we have no right to feel a certain way or um, oh my god it's 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 unhealthy for me to feel this and then we kind of get paranoid and anxious about feeling the way that we feel so for those of you who have that I would like to encourage you to think of emotions the way you think of a thermometer right so imagine you're not sure do you have a fever or not um, you put it in your mouth and then um, a couple of seconds later you know what's happening right now the thermometer in itself is not good or bad it just gives you information and I think and I want to encourage you to think about emotions that way because once you know like oh good emotions means that things are usually going pretty well and that's you know carry on doing whatever it is that you're doing and negative emotions mean that something needs to be taken care of and that something is not necessarily how can I suppress the anger or how can I run away from fear but looking a little bit closer all right what is what is happening here why do I feel angry why is there fear and once we understand these triggers we can do something about them instead of just running away all right talk to you later to talk to you about this idea that emotions are somehow inferior to the uh, the cold reasoning of the mind. Now, of course, there are situations where emotions can, you know, kind of take people on, you know, you know in a loop into crazy land and, and that can be problematic. However, people often think that when it comes to making decision that we should go with the rational you know what is rational weighing up the arguments pro and con lists and and that emotions shouldn't really play a part of that now scientists also used to believe that for quite a while and this was until a certain patient had a brain injury 
in a particular region where it just basically wiped out the the majority, if not not all of their emotional processing. So this person was not able to use their emotions when they were making decisions. And the scientists, I mean, this sounds really cruel, but the scientists got super excited about that because they thought, well, now we're going to find this human and we're going to demonstrate that they make the best decisions ever. And it turns out that was actually not the case. And then you know the the scientists were surprised and they were like all right so so what's happening here why is why is this happening and it turns out that the emotional processing is often based on pattern recognition um and stored information that we didn't necessarily have conscious access to so what does that mean it sounds a little bit like uh, you know all scientists speak right so what that means is basically that whenever we walk through the world there are things that we consciously think about and things that we we just either they happen to us long before and we don't remember them at that moment or we never actually perceive them consciously but they were still stored somewhere in our mind right so our brain is constantly trying to figure out patterns and how the world works now if people sometimes these patterns indicate something that we don't consciously recognize and there's a cool example of a formula 1 race car driver who who was coming around a bend right and he just had this instinctive need to slow down and he didn't know why all he knew that was he he looked at the crowd and then he just jumped on the brakes and that saved his life now what happened basically he had memorized and without even noticing that what crowds look like when everything is going well so they would like you know they would encourage you they would scream they would look at you because you're coming around that bend you're closest to them however what ended up happening was there was an accident right across that bend and everybody was staring at the accident now he didn't have the time to consciously think through why the people were not looking at him he didn't even know that that's the thing that unsettled him but it saved his life and to get back to that brain injured um guy the problem is that he didn't have access to that kind of pattern recognition knowledge anymore and that made that by not having indicators emotional indicators kind of nudging you around a certain path then he made terrible decisions now of course for that to work you need the information that that you know your emotional mind is basically accessing to be accurate right so if you for example read things which are just blatantly untrue all your life then your emotions will nudge you down the wrong path however if the quality of the information and the patterns that you detect um make sense or and, and are based in reality then emotional processing can actually um be better and faster uh than than intellectual processing simply because it picks out things that we didn't know. So I want to encourage you today to trust your gut a little bit more and just see what happens when you do that when you don't try to think like oh shall I go with my heart or my head but think about well how are these two informing my perspective of this world. All right, bye-bye. Hey, this is Kristen from the Positive Psychology Podcast. And yesterday I saw something interesting in a forum on Facebook and a woman asked, 
What is the purpose of a monk? Isn't it easy for a monk who gets all his food and his, and his, um, you know, he has a place to sleep? Isn't it easy to be happy if you're a monk? And what's the point of them? Blah, blah, blah. And that just shows me that there's still a lot of people out there who kind of think like, well, of course there are some happy people because they just have it so much easier than I do. And while it's definitely the case that some of us have it easier than others, if you would look at, you know, all single mothers, you would still find some of them who are happier than others. And no matter how much, you know, what's going on otherwise, and, and no matter how busy they are, you will see that some of them can have the ability and the skills to just get more joy out of their day. So if you think, well, it's easy for them, that's one of the happiness traps where we just think, oh, I'm not in that situation. I'm somehow exempted. You're not exempt. Um, you can always improve you don't always have to improve because let's face it not every one of us is interested in self-development and that's cool there is such a thing as good enough there is such a thing as you know what i manage these skills in a way that i do pretty well and that's enough for me and that's fine but do not sit there being unhappy and thinking that you you have Basically, that's the burden that you just have to carry because nobody else in your situation is happy. That's not true. Even if everybody you know is also stressed out and stuff, there are still people who cope with it better. And by learning how they do that, you can really improve your life. All right. Cheers. Bye-bye. And if what I just said pissed you off, listen, I get it. When I'm in a bad mood, the last thing I want to hear is that it's my fault and that's not how it's meant you know I, I don't i'm not trying to blame anyone or shame anyone it's really just about the fact that while we might be not able to do something um in a particularly hard moment if we understand in our more neutral and positive moments that these excuses do not serve us then we can actually do better all right okay cheers bye-bye Hey, this is Kristen from the Positive Psychology Podcast, and today I want to talk about this idea of being all right right now. And the thing is that our our brain is set up to detect things which are either a threat or just a, a big noticeable change in our environment. What it's not necessarily set up to do that much is to notice when something good is happening that is, you know, that is not like bam in your face all right and that's the thing like sometimes we feel okay or good and we don't even notice that and we take it for granted or or we don't even know right um sometimes i have to say i'm even surprised when i look at look back at the week and i'm like wow this week was full of great moments and we all talk about gratitude and saying thank you but it's really about making sure that we actively engage and i would venture that although of course you're never in a state where all your problems are solved and 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 you know probably you're usually not in a state where there's no pain or no problem on the horizon however uh you're listening to this right now which means you probably pretty okay right i mean nothing is chasing you nothing is banging into you so i wanted to leave you with that figure out you know know when you're okay and say that to yourself it has helped me a lot and it has also helped people who were actually depressed and 
noticed, like, wait a minute, right now it's not as shitty as it was um, two hours ago. All right? I'll leave you with that. Have a good day. Bye-bye. I'm just walking through Zurich on a beautiful um, springy day, and I'm just noticing that people are so much more good-looking than they used to be 20 years ago. And that got me to think. Now, a lot of times people say, oh, beauty's shallow and stuff, but I'm like, you know what? To me, it's like a public service. Um, you go work out all day in the gym, you know, knock yourself out, take your t-shirt off or whatever, show off your awesome abs because you know what? You deserve the credit you get because you're working a lot. But it also made me realize that we are actually completely capable of reaching the things that we collectively focus on. And, and that's the exciting part, right? So we decided that, that abs are important. So I can tell you 15 years ago, there were no abs to be seen in this city. And now they are. So I'm not railing against that. I'd like to see those abs. However, I'm just saying, let's be part of a movement where we kind of focus on some other things as well. We don't even have to exclude you know, looks, and we don't have to make people feel shallow because they care about them, that's fine. But let's include some other things that we care about as well. Like, uh, you know, we always say, oh, inspiration and authenticity, but actually, it doesn't seem to be something we care about that much, because the a good way to see if there's progress or not is what was it like five years ago? Do we really care? Are we more authentic? And, you know, let's do that. Let's focus. Let's make sure that when we look back uh, five or ten years from now, we can say this was a turning point and we helped make society kinder to each other, more understanding. We made, we, we enabled our, the place we live in to move forward despite going through difficult times. All right. Cheers. Bye-bye. Hey, this is Kristen from the Positive Psychology Podcast. And... I really believe that the best way to change the world is to change yourself, as cliched as this sounds. And that includes that we're honest about, you know, our failures or moments when we didn't really, you know, embody our best selves, let's put it that way. And I just had such a moment um, two nights ago. So I was at a karaoke bar having a lot of fun. And then people who were with me, but I didn't know them yet that well, uh, started drinking beer that was not from the place and I knew that the DJ was watching them and seeing them and I didn't quite know what to do because I wanted to make them stop but I didn't quite know how to do it and I was just like I was actually looking away like focusing on the karaoke performance and just kind of you know putting my hand in this head in the sand and hoping that it all goes away and of course it didn't the DJ came over and said you know and took their beers away from them which I think is fine you know like I mean they're we're there to consume their stuff and otherwise we're not supposed to take their space and these are the kind of moments where I'm like all right um, I could blame myself and be like, oh, why am I such a horrible person and why am I such a coward and me of all people who believes to stand up and be brave and stuff. And, you know, there is such a thing as productive guilt and really not productive guilt. So guilt um, or in its more extreme version, shame means that you are no, actually shame is looking at yourself and being disgusted and being like, yeah, that's just proof that I'm coward in this world. It's just one more time that I didn't stand up for what I believe to be right. Um, 
guilt is more about the situation and again we can we can kind of be guilty about it in a bad way and we can be guilty about it in a way where we're like all right how how do i wish i would have responded and there are two or di- three different things that come to mind so one thing that i could have done is just to be like hey folks they will take your beers away and you will miss out on your awesome icelandic beer or i could have said hey i'll invite you um to to have a beer on me if if you don't do this because i like this place and i you know i i want to make sure that they're not wrong so yeah i think an important part of self development is seeing those flaws because it's very easy to walk around being like everybody else is a coward everybody else is privileged or 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 whatever the word is that is um being used the most these days and that's really just not that helpful because everybody it's so easy just open your mouth accuse everybody that's not the hard part the harder part is fessing up to what you shit you do so yeah i i want to model that and i want to do that so i'm not going to tell you just about how awesome i am and my thoughts about that but also when i mess up all right talk to you soon bye bye hey this is kristen from the positive psychology podcast and as i was walking to work i was thinking about gratitude and a lot of people know that it contributes to our happiness and how important it is but what i rarely see discussed is basically how you get better at it because what i see is most people just repeat the same things i'm glad i have a job i'm glad i have a family um and while that's good it can become a bit stale it can it can become something that we just say as an instrument as opposed to actually feel now i like this idea of really cultivating gratitude if gratitude is something that uh you see the value of and becoming a gratitude ninja now what is a gratitude ninja well i wouldn't i wouldn't say that i'm one but i'm getting there because they're like the smallest things can make me really really grateful for example literally just now a guy passed me by with his backpack i looked at him and i noticed some sunscreen and i just thought you know what through no through no benefit you know nothing i did made me more resistant to sunlight than he was but i just happened to have the right genes so for for a couple of seconds i just felt like thank god i don't have to walk around with this and i can be happy about the 20% indian blood that i got that's protecting me a little bit better from the sun than my whitey white counterparts and i'd like you to challenge you to kind of look for gratitude in unexpected places and not just to see it but to give yourself the space to actually feel it not just be it something that's polite but actually something that's felt all right take care bye bye and i just wanted to talk about this idea that sometimes holding ourselves to abstract standards can be hard so what do i mean by this if we say we want to become kinder people We know what kindness is and and we we probably can use it to guide our actions. However, sometimes uh it's it's hard to pick up on nuance if we are looking at something like kindness. Now, if you think about a person who is really kind and they manage to to act that way pretty much in most situations that they're in, you can 
learn a ton from them, even if they're not around, by simply, simply, you know, conjuring up an image of them. And how would they look at someone? How would they speak? What would their voice sound like? And that's a fun way to learn because not only do we manage to become better people, but we manage to kind of appreciate all the resources and the goodness around us. So today, I'd urge you to give that a try. Cheers. Bye-bye. Hey, this is Kristen from the Positive Psychology Podcast, and I have been answering quite a few questions on Quora, and a lot of times what comes up is, I don't know what to do with my life. I have zero motivation. What am I supposed to do? And I think one of the issues that people mention here is the fact that we kind of try to do everything at once. We we hope that we can find this jackpot subject, that we can just go to college and study something that we're passionate about and then get a job in that and then we're sorted. And the thing is that these things usually don't necessarily always go together. So what I encourage people to do in that situation, and I'd like you to think about that, is to kind of divorce this idea that whatever it is that you're looking for has to bring you money or status or something like that, but that you work on this thing which is cultivating an interesting inner life. And the reason I'm suggesting it is that even if nothing ever works out, that is still so much better if you follow your interests um, than if you sit there thinking you have no direction in life because this can also be a valid life path if we you know do some kind of desk job or something like that to pay the bills and we get our meaning from whatever it is from pursuing whatever it is that we find interesting and whoever we find interesting that is a valid path and it's so much better than feeling directionless and not doing anything so I really want to encourage you to cultivate an exciting inner life no matter whether it brings you money or not, no matter whether the world tells you that this is where the economy is going or not. And, yep, that's what I have to say for now. Cheers, bye-bye. I hear this idea a lot that people feel like, oh, I'm never going to amount to anything, nothing is going to ever work out, and, and yeah, what's the point of it all? And what I really want to point out here is a very objective and non-deniable truth and there are not a lot of those but this is one and that is that if you can actually predict the future you should get into a line of work where you can do that all right so help the police solve murders become a medium do something like that because you have the gift of telling how the future turns out. Now, if you think I'm being ridiculous, well, yes, and that's exactly the point. The thoughts that are saying this to you are being ridiculous because they cannot possibly know what will happen in two weeks, three years, or five years, all right? So if you're battling thoughts like that, I would like to confront, I would like you to confront those thoughts and kind of make this argument, you know, all right, let's test this. Let's test how good you are at predicting things. And then I shall listen to you more or less. All right. Goodbye. And I wanted to talk about meditation and the reasons why people take it up. Now, usually people take it up because they want to de-stress and that's 
a good goal, but the important thing to know is that de-stressing is an outcome of meditation practice. What does that mean? It means that we don't just usually get to sit down and de-stress every single time we meditate and it just flows like that. That's not how it works. The reason why we de-stress with meditation is that we have learned that we do not have to take all of our thoughts seriously, that we don't have to engage every single thought we have, and that we are perfectly fine focusing, for example, just on the breath, and that there's no need to, you know, jump on every train of thought that, that rustles through. That's important because if we sit down to meditate with this goal of de-stressing, then if we don't feel calmer within two or three minutes or maybe even 50 seconds, we will think, oh, I'm not good at this or I suck at meditation, I shouldn't do it. But it's literally impossible to suck at meditation because meditation is the act of sitting down and observing your thoughts. And the important thing is that you realize when your thoughts have you know, basically grabbed you and taken you to a place you didn't intend to go. And every time you're like, oh, okay, nope, let's go back to the breath. Every time you go back, that's when you're training yourself. So it doesn't really matter what thoughts show up. The question is, what do you do with them? And you will get better and better at deciding that now is your meditation practice and this is not the moment to engage with these thoughts and if they're important they'll come back later all right cheers i just wanted to stage a little meditation just to narrate a bit now of course this will influence the meditation itself and obviously this is not a real meditation because my point in real meditation would be to focus on my breath or to do the loving-kindness exercise that I'm practicing. So the reason why I want to do this, just to give you like one or two minutes of real time, is that you see that even if you have practiced meditation for a while, that thoughts still come up that are distracting, and how I try to deal with those. All right, so let's go. My aim now, in case you're new to this, is... I am going to focus on my breath. I'm not going to change my breath. I'm just going to pay attention to my breath. And I will observe whatever comes up in my mind, whatever, wherever my attention wanders to. And then I will tag it, which means I'll be like, I'll just say like, oh, this is this, like feelings or birds or something like that. And then return to my breath. Sound a little itch on my nose.
a slight worry whether this is boring for you. Far away traffic sounds. Surprised that this is going surprisingly well and the thought that maybe I should meditate with a phone on my ear and then be noticing that that's a distraction. Alright, that was a little excerpt. I know it didn't sound terribly exciting, but that's not the point of it. Uh, our addiction to novelty and excitement can sometimes make it hard for us to learn to focus our attention where we want it to go in times when that is actually needed. So, if you sat through this, you probably got a little bit bored unless you're a meditator yourself. But if you sat through this and you don't meditate, then it seems like you might be actually up for the task. So give it a try. Good luck. Bye-bye. The audio you just heard was recorded in Anchor. Learn more at anchor.fm. Thanks for listening to the Positive Psychology Podcast. We're saying goodbye with Happy Yogurt.